Well, how are you guys doing? This episode actually sponsored by HelloFresh. Myself and Willie are back with a... Um, well, we had Memorial Day this last week, and he got to enjoy it with me to a certain extent. I guess you got to understand what Americans do here in America. We eat hot dogs, hamburgers, and that's... And we've reminisced a lot about our times in the military yeah, as well. Yeah, we did do that. I'd talk about some of What's that. important between mates and whatever I've served? Yeah. And there was also some deals on some mattresses. So if you guys were going to get 25% off a mattress tomorrow, or excuse me, yesterday was the time to do it. That's just pretty much what America's about. You know, what, if you can market on top of dead people that gave their life for the country, why not do it, right? That's pretty much Jesus. capitalism. <laughs> That's what they do. So. Now, inside of Russia, there's been, uh, I don't know what kind of attacks we want to call these. They're either uh, provocative attacks or they're, or they're false flags. I don't know what you want to call them. I know that's the only thing that they're talking about currently inside of Russia, which I have great for me. I've got Shogu, Shoigu, Shogu. Yeah, close enough. We got him. Then we have this one. And I actually have one from the man himself, which is uh, Putin, which I got to actually pull back up. But I do have Putin as well. You and I have downloaded the exact same videos. Oh, so you have all of them, right? I have pretty much the same Okay, good. So I don't have to really worry about it. But I've already... I've, I've watched them. And they're all... The reason why I think that these could possibly be possibly false flags, which I don't want to say that that's the case. I know that back in 99, Putin killed like, what, 400 of his own people to have that war kick off in Chechnya, correct? Uh, both, both both America and Russia. Just throwing it out there. Lots of false flag events. But this this one, this one's pretty, <laughs> this, this one could be one. It's Georgia, yeah. It this, could definitely could be. This one could be one. Well, the oh, drone on the Kremlin. No, I thought it was, I thought it was Chechnya. In oh, I could, could be wrong. Yeah, you're I think right. it was Chechnya. Yeah. Then, and Georgia was like in 2000s. Yeah. Oh, I think I'm right. The exact Hold on a sec. I think I'm right, right? Yeah, I think you're right. As I said it, I was like, hmm. I think Georgia but, was later. But this, I think, could be because the way that their government is talking about it, not just him, but also the people on TV, how they're portraying it as this is this this is going to be, this is the event that's going to make our people realize we need to fight against it. Like, but, the, but the thing is, like, we have seen what I believe are false flags as well before. So... On uh, May nine, I also think that day. term, by the way, is too loosely thrown out there. Oh, it's, it's I think, loosely. I think it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's almost like people in America, everything's racist. But the thing is, if you if you keep saying that things are racist over and over again, it kind of waters down the actual racism. Yeah. that actually, what happened? No, I, th- I it's think the same thing. I think a lot of people, are the boy who cries wolf. Do you have that term? Yes. Yes. Um, I think there's a lot of that, and when something is real, it's like, no, that couldn't happen. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, well, like there's a, there's so much of like, you know, this whole thing of like Ukrainian air defense is a hundred percent effective. And when a missile gets through or a drone gets through, there's this idea of that can't be real because it's a hundred percent effective. And I think it's the same on the other side of I think there's so much misinformation that is just made up bullshit. When something real happens, it's hard to see if that's true or not. It's very difficult. So. Uh, I think the the false flag term is thrown around, like you said, so much that it's just, you, you now don't know. But like Victory Day, May 9th, for Russia, was, you know, the week prior we saw the attack on the Kremlin itself, the yeah. drone basically firebomb the roof. And a lot of people reached out to me who work in this exact, um, like, line of work, I mean, drones, electronic warfare, whatever, and are like, that's not happening at the Kremlin. Like, these attacks, these could happen. But they're like, the Kremlin, they're like, oh. Now, I know back in 1987, I believe, a guy landed a Cessna uh, aircraft on Red Square to like, prove the air defence was a shit house. We're also talking almost 40 years ago. 87. 
believe 87. And you, were, you weren't even a twinkle in your father's eye in 87. Oh, fuck. I, my dad was trying in 87. I don't know if it was with my mom, but he was trying well, for what sure. What year were you born? 89. 89. So my dad was pounded, pounded somewhere, but I don't know Jesus. if it was. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> be real. Oh, well. Um, I was a twinkle in his eye. I, I don't know who it was for, but. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. You yeah. might have been. You oh, were, yeah. You it's, were probably a twinkle. No, nah, dad did not want kids. Well, you might my have dad been a twinkle lived, into My a, dad lived on like a shitty sailing yacht, sailing around the world. Okay, well, you were, you were definitely a twinkle into a sock then. Yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. Off the side um, of the yacht. Off the side. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how. Oh, I don't know how fish of them do it. Oh. <laughs> um, but but again, like this, I've also got another email. I haven't gone into it yet. But a guy who works in I can't say too much, but in that space, talks about how this could be achieved. Also, the Kremlin, but it did did it? You need to look at what outcomes does this do? And this is what you need to look at. Anything that is could be a false flag. What? What is the positive outcome from this happening for, like, basically propaganda? Now, propaganda is a bit of a dirty word. Propaganda is also very good. Like, we use propaganda for good things in the military too. I watched an ad on TV yesterday that was for joining the US Air Force. That is under the banner of propaganda. We would consider that good propaganda. Also, complete lies about certain stuff is also propaganda. So, propaganda as well as false flag, is used very broadly and correctly sometimes, but just it's a blanket term. Where I'm going with this is, say, the attack on the Kremlin. You need to look at what does Russia have to gain from this? What would Ukraine have to gain from this? Also, what both sides have to lose from this? Like Sort of like a Venn diagram, you could put it out. What does Ukraine have to gain? They show that they could strike in Moscow. What could they have to lose? Something goes wrong kill civilians, and they lose a lot of support. Also, and this is with using Western weapons too, is you could um, potentially you know, put that sort of support and whether from people, weapons, whatever, in jeopardy. So what they have to gain, what they have to lose. What does Russia have to, to gain and lose? And I'm using the Kremlin one as an example, so pre-early uh, May. What do they have to gain? They could then have a good reason to downsize the main iron parade, which we saw the downsizing of. They could also then launch more attacks in the way of saying, hey, look, you directly targeted our president. What did they have to, to lose? They look a bit silly. Air defence gets through. And we could reel off 50 reasons of pros and cons for this. But that's what you need to do in false flag events and look at what is the reasoning behind this. And we've seen multiple times false flag events then to go into a war. We say there's, We say that there's... Nazis in Ukraine, we say that it's more so than, you know, just some. And we, we know that there are, you know, very ultra-nationalist Nazi types in Ukraine. We know that. There's those types around the West as well. But we know there's that in Ukraine. People who deny that are fucking idiots. But that was used as a way to stage a, a major offensive of under the special military operation, a war into Ukraine as a way to stage that in. We used as well the um, uh, dirty bombs. Uh, what, do you, what do you call those? Mm. WMDs. WMDs. We use that as a way to stage this. Am I saying everything is false flag? No, but you need to look at the pros and cons of this. Why do you think that the Russians and the pro-Russians use the Nazi so hard? Because everyone is against a Nazi. So if you lean on that, that can be very effective to justify things going forward. And I believe this as well reading some stuff, this is difficult to know whether 
or not, and we probably won't know whether or not this was a staged false flag or was it a real attack from Ukrainian sources going well, the, the, so Ukrainian forces going deep. Have you seen the images of the, the actual UAVs? Yes, I was up? going to go over this, and this, yeah. this is something that I think stages the most amount of false flag. Do you agree or disagree? I, the, 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 this one it gets a little... Because one of the videos is just a Cessna that was yeah, incorrectly was... identified as a drone. Just some, fuck that, fuck flying, I've got to admit, fuck flying any aircraft anywhere where there's air defence. Like, yeah. air defence is only so good. Like, there's there's been mirror American aircraft, modern fighters, shot down by their own air defence before. Like, I would not be flying a Cessna with no um, friend or foe mechanisms on board. No chaff, no nothing in any area against with his air defense. But one of them was legitimately just one of those. And the other one, the other photograph, they said was a, I've got the was word. Was it a crashed one? Yeah, a UJ-22, which is a Ukrainian um, drone made by Ukrajet or UKR Jets or Ukrainian Jet. And this, from what I've seen, was actually falsely identified as this because it's the wrong way. The one, the video I've seen, that is over Moscow, has been um, geoconfirmed over Moscow, um, has small canard wings at the front, which this doesn't. The U- UJ-22 is more of a traditional type looking plane. It looks like a sort of a, a drone version Cessna. So many are saying that it looks like an Iranian um, Abadil 2, which is another type of drone that could have this amount of range. And the UJ-22 is basically just a surveillance reconnaissance drone, so it wouldn't be very useful against that. And that one is is what we saw also land in the field and explode from there. So, and Putin came out, I'm not sure if this is the exact video I've got, but Putin said that there will be, um, I've got a direct quote, but mirroring attacks or or mirroring something. Can you pull it up? I do. Actually, I wonder if you want to play that, because actually... Flows in with Shoigu, Shogu, yeah, Shogu, yeah. Let's go ahead and play that for him. Russian armed forces, которые вынуждены были ответить, Россия вынуждена была ответить на развязанную украинским режимом войну на Донбассе, вынуждены были ответить мы все началом специальной военной операции наносят удары по территории Украины, но высокоточным оружием большой дальности именно по объектам военной инфраструктуры либо по складам с боеприпасами либо ГСМ используем для ведения боевых действий вот when it's talking about fuel storage and um, like civilian infrastructure infrastructure as a whole people will often say and I'm not again giving news is not like advocating for this. I think people need to realise this. But many people say that that is a war crime. Hitting things like fuel depots, um, power lines, things like that. That's not a war crime. Absolutely not. But people will say that it is. And you can go through the full, and if anyone's interested in this, um, I can actually go over the uh, American war doctrine if anyone's interested, and we can do that. Uh, Because I've got all the doctrine out of how you can actually strike these. Although it is feeding civilian areas hitting like a um, generator or something is definitely not a war crime and is incorrectly um, reported as such and I believe sometimes is a bit of counterproductive um, propaganda or at least uh, people reporting as well. We've already talked about the possibility of 
по штабам принятия решения, по центрам принятия решения. Разумеется, к этой категории относится и штаб военной разведки Украины, в котором был нанесен удар 2-3 дня назад. В ответ, как известно, киевский режим выбрал другой путь, путь попыток запугивания России, запугивания граждан России и ударов по жилым зданиям. Это, конечно, явный признак террористической деятельности. Ну, во-первых, хочу сказать, что система ПВО Москвы сработала штатно, удовлетворительно. Хотя есть над чем работать. Мы сталкивались с такими же проблемами на аэродроме Химимим в Сирии. И просто несопоставимая территория самой авиабазы нашей на Химимиме и Москвы, огромного европейского мегаполиса. Но в целом понятно, что нужно делать для уплотнения его столицы, и мы будем это делать. Talking about it, but the thing is, the Western media really didn't pick it up too much, and no one really cares. As here in the states, no one really cares. Yeah, we've gone over this multiple times. No one in the states really cares about the Ukrainian war currently right now. But that's what I'm saying. That they, that's the only thing they could possibly get. Not what they could literally lose for this is him calling it what it is. What he's calling it is a terrorist activity yeah, in terrorist state. Like they, and he will say regime, not regime. The that's yeah. what he said. They call it regime. Like the, the whole thing is what Ukraine actually gains from doing this seems. I don't know. So minimal in comparison to what the blowback could possibly be. No, меня даже не столько это беспокоит, сколько попытки попытки вызвать ответную реакцию России. Видимо, на это рассчитано. Они провоцируют нас на зеркальные действия. Here we go. Mirroring actions, provoking mirroring actions. So therefore, in a way, setting up for future more attacks on because they will hear out capital will hit your capital and we know that russia has been having many many major strikes against kiev recently and other metropolitan areas no меня даже не столько это беспокоит сколько попытки попытки вызвать ответную реакцию россии видимо на это рассчитано они провоцируют нас на зеркальные действия мы посмотрим что с этим делать но граждане украины которые ну, конечно, сейчас слова не имеют, поскольку на Украине развязан тотальный террор против гражданского населения. Все-таки должны знать, к чему подталкивает нынешнее руководство этой страны. И просто понимать, что есть еще другие угрозы, связанные, например, с... As well, talking about nuclear devices, ZNPPs, a brand new nuclear power plant, things like this. This is setting up, in many ways, I believe, setting up for maybe future things. Maybe not as well. This is the this is the problem with false flag, is you don't actually know which way it is either, because we know, especially in the um, ZMPP, the power plant, it's difficult, you know, because Russia overtook the power plant. They took it very early on in the war. They have staged military equipment in there, but then there's also evidence that Ukraine has also shelled in the area of the power plant as well giving some level of, if something does happen, plausible deniability, false flag events, things like this. Could Russia explode something there and say, yeah, that was your shell, plausible deniability. But again, it's plausible. Have they set up areas for this to happen? 
or Putin saying it right now, there could be a disaster at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. The only good thing with that is the IEA, what are they, uh, the Atomic Agency um, safety guys, are in Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. And there was actually some very bad timing on some stuff around this as well. And I was there when that was going really shit. There's actually a photo of me standing in front of the fucking power plant with my thing being like, maybe I shouldn't be here. And this was when that was all going to shit because now it's being monitored. But at the time it wasn't and it, there was reports it was going, it potentially could go really south really quickly. But as the um, people were coming to inspect the plant, there was actually an offensive launched across the Dnieper River from the Ukrainian side as well that then Russia used as a lot of weight to, to be like, you're the ones putting it um, in strife. But it, whether it was just bad communication, bad timing, but it definitely worked in Russia's favour at that point. And this would have been a year ago, basically, to, to day or maybe a month in the future. But things like that can be used very well for propaganda too. See, as well as saying things, you know, definitely talking points on about who started the war, things like this. But then he talks about the air defence over Moscow. Now as well, this could just be a way of then bringing in more air defence into Moscow. It being supported then by the Moscow, by people who live in Moscow, although this is why we've got air defence here, is because of this. And Russia is good at false flag, plausible liability stuff. Look at Syria, look at Afghanistan, look at Chechnya, look at Georgia. They hold a lot of stuff in false flag events and a lot of plausible liability and a lot of the time get away with it. A lot of the time get away with it. No, I don't, I don't, I don't doubt that at all. But if you guys don't know, flavor is in full bloom here at HelloFresh. Enjoy the taste of spring with chef-crafted recipes featuring ripe seasonal ingredients delivered right to your front door. Now, HelloFresh actually does more than just delicious dinners. Not only can you guys take your pick from 40 weekly recipes, but you guys can actually choose from over 100 items to round out your order from snacks and easily made lunches to desserts and pantry necessities. Everything arrives in one box on a delivery day that you guys choose. No more scouring the grocery store for that one ingredient to complete your entire recipe. HelloFresh takes away all the hassle by delivering fresh pre-portioned ingredients so you guys have exactly what you need and helps you guys cut down on all that food waste. HelloFresh cares about the quality. That's why their seasonal ingredients are picked at the prime, like the ripeness, and travel right from the farm to your home in less than seven days so you guys know that it's fresh. I absolutely love them. We use it here in the house because my wife, well, we're kind of busy. I'm kind of busy doing a ton of stuff. You guys, Willie, I'm on the go constantly. And this thing, it makes our life way easier for prepping out meals and just getting them done. And the best part is if you guys are looking for something to do with your, your, your significant other, you guys want to get into like, I don't know, trying to find an activity you guys can enjoy together. This could actually make uh, cooking fun and, and I don't know, could, could spark a little bit of romance in the kitchen. 
you know, maybe, maybe over some food. Go to HelloFresh.com right now forward slash speak the truth 16. And you guys use the code speak the truth 16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. God bless them. That is awesome. You guys go to HelloFresh.com forward slash speak the truth 16 right now. Use code speak the truth 16. Remember 16 free meals and free shipping. My God, how great is that? Give them. They are America's number one meal kit. Check them out. The link very top description. Thank you so much to HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode. Not as good as HelloFresh, we're not as good as food. But another food-related thing that's been relevant to this war is the video going viral of McDonald's. Oh, God. Open in Kiev. Okay, so every so McDonald's, <laughs> this is the goofiest thing. It is so fucking goofy. Because people were actually taking on, like, man, this is kind of serious. Look at all these. Okay, I get it. There's a lot of young men inside of this McDonald's. A lot of young human beings in But general. you can only harm so many people. Yes, you can't have that. It's, yeah. it's kind of goofy. And it's a fucking McDonald's, for God's sake. No shit. We're not talking about like the fuck. There's how many make. I got a question, Siri. <laughs> Siri, how many McDonald's are there in the world? We should have guessed on that. Wow, I want you. Well, to, right. I want you to guess on this. Um, this is wild. I'm gonna go fifteen thousand. Forty thousand. Forty thousand. Yeah, and people are freaking out about one that's in one city. <laughs> There's over 40,000 McDonald's in the world. People, the biggest thing that I... (laughs) 40,000! Yeah. In 100 countries. Well, (laughs) one less country they pulled out of of, um, Russia. But but one of the things that I didn't realise about conventional large-scale war and very little people alive actually had exposure to this going through is how quickly things turn back to normal. So for those who don't know, I was in Ukraine before the war. And then th- when the war started, and in the first days, we, yeah, things go wild. It's like like you'd expect. But eventually things go back to normal very quick. Speak to any veteran of a war like World War One, World War Two. Well, World War One was kind of hard to talk to off, somebody about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or watch something about it. But off the front line, things had to go back to normal. Look at Paris when it was under German occupation. Things, cafes had to open, bakeries had to open. If there was Maccas at that point, it would have been bloody open. Things go back to normal more quickly than you would think. I've told many people. And at the end of the day, you're talking in Kiev. Kiev is nowhere near the front line. It is hundreds of kilometres from the front line. Now it's not hundreds of kilometres from Belarus, but from the nearest Russian trench. It is a long way. I've sat many times in areas like Kharkiv. You can hear shelling going on, both in and out. Sit there and order a pizza and a beer. Like, things go back to normal quickly because they need to. Now, are there a lot of young men? Yeah, that's something you'll get to. If you were to go to Ukraine, you'd be like, why why aren't all these young men fighting? Now, that's a reasonable question. But as well, only so many people can be armed at once. They can only arm so many people. You know, it is well known that the... Uh, centres for recruitment were turning away people as well. You don't think that Ukraine at this point would take anyone they can get to go and fight. They need all the numbers they can get, especially now the come, upcoming offensives. In the day, you only have so much money, so many weapons, so many sets of body armour to give out for people to fight. And this is why I've seen people as well under-equipped because, look, we have a rifle, but we don't have a helmet for you. Fight anyway. So it's just silly. Just silly, being used for just the wrong way of propaganda. It's not a good 
It's just not a good argument. <laughs> well, the, the, uh, Biden actually said today, the prospect of giving Kiev long-range missile systems is still inside of play, by the way. Did you see that? So he was asked about the Atacams. Yeah. So the ATACMs mm-hmm. uh, to Ukraine, and he said it's still in play. And this is he's standing in front of whatever his helicopter's called. Um, but that said, he might not know what he's actually talking about as well. But for those who aren't sure, the uh, Army Tactical Missile System basically would extend the range of the HIMARS. So this isn't a different system. It's just a missile that goes inside the HIMARS and has a range of what they say up to 190 miles. And people have basically pointed out how much this would help Ukraine's current range of the HIMARS systems to then strike targets within areas like Crimea. So, the but the big reason it hasn't been given, many are saying, is due to the uh, idea that Ukraine may use these to strike targets inside of Russia, as we've seen much more Ukrainian-backed stuff inside yeah. Russia with uh, those forces then crossing the border. And there's a lot of speculation around who those forces are, there's a guy, where they're trained. There, there's the a guy that I've been watching. It. There is a guy that I've been watching and I have talked to a few different times. He's an American. Mm-hmm. He's fighting over there. And he has posted many videos of him as being one of the guys that's been crossing the border. Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Okay. Um, he's hit him with RPGs multiple times. Are we talking about the same guy? Yep. Okay. Uh, I believe so. I'm not going to say the guy's name. I don't know if he, well, he probably, he probably doesn't care. I mean, he's on Twitter, right? He didn't care, right? Yeah, or no. Maybe Twitter. he does. He was one of the guys that was, that was a little tissy fit with, uh, with old Vasquez back in the day. Ryan O'Leary. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, is that yeah. talking about the same guy? Okay. Uh, look, he even moved like the border signs. Yeah. So I thought this was some, somewhat ironic because he clearly, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say this is, I'm going to say it's probably true, but I mean, he, uh, he see they rigged the bridge too. No, I didn't say they rigged the bridge. He rigged the bridge. He posted out there that says, sleepy soldiers equal dead soldiers. So I guess they mined a uh, bridge in Bryansk, I guess. Yeah. Not really. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but he also goes on to state that Putin doesn't have enough troops to defend. This is actually being verbatim. Defend his border in the front lines inside of Ukraine. His course of action to enact another bombing campaign on Kiev and spread fear and destruction of, of, of destruction on civilians. So this is this actually is, is like what he is saying is ties into kind of what we're seeing right now because we haven't played the clips yet. We will hear in a second. He it's, he's calling like he's saying that these the 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 mystery band of misfits and Russian partisan terrorists. It's actually apparently this guy is a really small group. So what, I, I'm sorry, I just went off track there for a second. But what I, what I was trying to go with this was 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 he is stating that that Putin doesn't have enough forces and men currently to actually defend his entire border. Now we're talking about this being an actual false flag idea that this could be because mm-hmm. this would actually stem a little bit of the civilian population understanding. Wow, we really need to actually do something because they're able to cross into our country. Now yep. they're able to shoot drones a few days later or send drones, not really shoot drones. I, yeah, you don't really shoot drones, but send drones into our country, which I actually want to pull up that clip so we can actually share with them. And it's 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 coming from Russian state TV. If you don't have it, I have it actually pulled up right it. here. Okay, so I'll pull it up right now. But as well, many people are pointing at this could be the reason for this false flag is for Russia because Russia has not conducted a full mobilization. They haven't. The thing is, they've done partial mobilization. They've, they've, they've been forced to do a partial one. Even they they don't. They don't have the civilian, I've said this many times, they don't have the civilian populations, like mindset, they're not really into this war. That's why they're having to do the things they're doing, I think, currently to try to change the mind of the civilian population to get behind it. Because right now they're not really behind it. If they were behind it, they wouldn't have any recruitment issues. 
They have recruitment issues, do they not? Uh, you wouldn't. You wouldn't yeah. have to mobilize your men if you didn't have recruitment issues. Well, it depends on what you're calling mobilization. So a lot of the mobilization is for reserves of guys who have served before, and then to go in. But the same issues of actually, you know, getting these guys into the front line, into the fight, logistical issues, is what a lot of it is. I would push back on that. The that a lot of Russians don't support this war. Now I'm not. I'm not saying that all Russians support the war. There's a lot that don't. But there are a lot of people that support this war. And the idea that, like, no one wants to go and fight in Ukraine is false. Like, there's a lot of soldiers and whatever who sign up to I go and I think more fight. people are going to want to fight inside of Ukraine, though, on the Russian side of things, if they keep getting hit with these... Oh, yeah, that's, but, that's but what I'm talking about. Like, well. why... When you look at it from the Ukrainian side of things, like sending these things in is not nearly as beneficial as the outcome of, of changing the mind of other Russians. Yeah. Putin also needs to convince his other colleagues of a complete mobilization as well. 100%. Because at the end of the day, not even just full what, what you're trying to sell is this is, and this is again why the special military operation was a good wording for Russia. Because it gives them a way out or deniability if things aren't going well. And legal if, issues. If you're talking, legal reasons. Yes. But if you're talking a war, you're talking conquer. But a special military operation, that's, oh, we've liberated X, we're now leaving. He needs to sell both to his people, to other politicians, to areas of which people get recruited. They work differently to us. The recruitment works differently. It's like if, you, uh, if you're from Frisco, you join a Frisco unit. You don't just join the American army and go from there. That's why some units, like Frisco is a very affluent suburb. So the Frisco unit, I'm just using this as equivalent, but a suburb like that would be a very well-equipped unit, would have great equipment, or modern Russian equipment. But if you were from, I don't know, what's a poor suburb? Around um, here? South Dallas. South Dallas. That wouldn't have good equipment, wouldn't have good leaders. So that's how a lot of that works, and that's very difficult. And then with the partial mobilizations, the full mobilizations. What I'm trying to get to is it needs to sell it, and you're on the same line. They need to sell it to the population. They need to sell it to other leaders in the country too because, you know, they need to sell to the other leaders who work underneath Putin as well and the, even the opposition of this. They need to sell it to those and justify the war, justify the losses because you can't hide many losses. You might be able to hide a few thousand when you're talking in the tens, potentially tens, potentially hundreds of thousands. You can't hide that because, you know, one death has, you know, a hundred people knew that person. It's becoming more obvious. Therefore, it needs to have good reasoning to then continue this war, at least create good reasoning to sell it on. And attacks like this are a good way of doing that. Я твердо убежден, вот пусть меня осудят потом, кто захочет. Я считаю, что этот удар очень позитивный для нас. Почему? Почему? По одной простой причине, это мобилизует общество. So exactly, saying that it is good for them. Yes. These attacks are positive. And whether this attack was, you know, Ukrainian-backed or Russian false flag, either way, it creates a positive outcome. And I believe that if it was a Ukrainian-backed drone that went... They've given Russia a good way of doing this. This is where some of the tactics and stuff, I'm like, you need to, if you're the good guys and you're in the defense of the nation, you need to maintain that outlook because you need to maintain the support of the majority of the West. Doing some of this stuff could swing that away. And it's very diff at the end, uh, difficult. Sorry, In the end of the day, this is an informational war. And what Ukraine has done to gain support of the Western world has been the most... Um, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The most successful information campaign of all time. Now, what do they have to work with? A very unjust war and marketing around that. But their marketing from then on has been fucking brilliant. And Russia's given them a lot of the ammunition to do that, from complete crimes against humanity in mm-hmm. Bucha, Lupin, yeah. to constant strikes on civilian centres, and all of this. Now, is also their stuff that you could claim was a false flag to increase how Ukraine was looking? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, the informational war for Ukraine has been unbelievably successful. Look, if you went back 18 months before this war, 400 days, and you gave an average American, average Australian, whatever, a pin and a globe and said, put in this where Ukraine is. No idea. Actually, you could probably do it still here in America. Okay. If you went to someone and said, what colour? What colours are on the Ukrainian flag? More people would probably know that. But, but, previous to Feb 22. No. Buddy, no one would have known. No one would have known. Who is the leader? Well, who is the leader of Poland? I couldn't tell you. You, you know... The thing is, who is the president of Ukraine? Everyone knows. Who would have known pre-22? No one. So the informational space is incredibly important. This is where people will say, oh, Zelensky on the cover of, um, it wasn't Time magazine, one of those bloody GQ mags, whatever the fuck it was, the big one. He needs to do that shit to keep the support, to keep money rolling in. It needs to happen. This informational space is how it goes. That's just what is, and as well as the information campaign against Russia is very easy as well. Who's been the bad guy in every movie for the last 40 years? It's been a Russian or Russian accent. Every Call of Duty game is a Russian. Every, you know, and I'm not, it's, it's for good reason as well. It, it, you know, there's a reason why that is, but it's also then very easy to sell this was that straight away. No one likes the Russians. Exactly. But that's, that's the reasoning is, there's a lot of this pillar, and it becomes very easy to do that. Putin could single-handedly cure cancer tomorrow, and people would go, "That's a bad thing. Fuck that guy." Maybe I guess, but you you know. But you, you, what I'm getting at yeah. is these information campaigns are a lot larger than a lot of people think, and are done with a good evidence behind them. You want to talk about informational campaign? Actually, the Shoigu. Shogu. Yep. Shogu. Is it Shogu? Sho- sh- I, call, I say Sho. Shogu. Sho- sh- sh- Shogu. But yep. you know whatever. So Shogu, defense, yeah, yeah the, the guy that's the, he, everything. Everything that when we talk about Shogu, everything is always going to plan. There's, it's never not going. He's got to keep his job to plan. I've never seen something so butchered. I mean, we're 460 some days into this thing on a three day military operation, and it's still going to plan. The three day military op was never released by them either. The three day, the three day thing was American analysts who said Russia will Russia will take over in three days. Well, it didn't work out like that. No, of course Either not. Way it didn't work out but like that. <laughs> so, four hundred and sixty days into it, I want to I want to share with you and you guys what is actually going on here. Добрый день, уважаемые коллеги. Приступаем к работе. Начали о ходе специальной военной операции. Группировки российских войск продолжают наносить. Quick, fast, and hurry. I can tell you right now what he's talking about. Seventy people are getting killed. Not entirely sure that is fully true because I, I no one knows really knows, and if. That's the reason why I say this is because if they fit 70 people inside of those vehicles, my mind would have been blown. They had like one tank. Then what was it? What does an MRAP carry? It was an M- eight or nine, ten. An MRAP, uh, four, seven, maybe nine, something like that. Right. I don't know, maybe with that's with gunner guy working. The gunner's not up on the top, by the way. The gun, well, it depends on which one they get. The gunner's in the back yeah. looking at a TV screen. Yeah. 
literally. I don't know if you guys ever. Yeah, we have that too. Yeah, back. Not, not even up there, but yeah. I don't know. But what he was talking about with, and we all know. I'm not gonna say we all know, but we all can come to somewhat of a conclusion if we were sitting and we were presenting evidence to a jury that, for the most part, those vehicles were probably in place there. I mean, yes, no, maybe. I'm so. not convinced. I, you think that those vehicles were not placed there? I, no, no. I haven't made up my mind on whether they were or okay. weren't. Well, if I were to present... Because I've seen some very good... Because the, the best argument against this... The dirt is the best argument against these no, no, things. No, no, I think... The tire hit... There's no way for a tire to hit in the way that it did and not push left or... The, it pushed all the way right. There was a mound of dirt on the front right tire yeah. that was there on the is, right... That makes no sense. That should not I'm going to show the, the photo again to talk about the mound of dirt. Oh. But there was definitely disturbed earth. But I, I, day, I, that I, could, can I, I could crush sleep. your entire argument no, you're about you haven't to heard have my with argument. this one photo. With this one thing. My argument is that area we, is where they came through. That area is the border checkpoint. So you're talking well within a kilometre, like you know, half mile of Ukrainian territory, Russian territory. That whole region is under constant surveillance. Would you think that it would have been far better evidence for the Ukrainian side to then have, hey, look, they've brought a flatbed truck in here, lowered this down. That would have been caught on video. Look, right here. I can show you. This Humvee on the right-hand, well, left-hand side right. of the picture. Look at that tire. There's absolutely impossible for that tire to hit. Look, it was put on the ground and then drugged to the right. What See where the dirt dragged down by a four-ton vehicle. What's that? It wouldn't drag the front wheel from a four-ton vehicle, five, six-ton vehicle. What I'm saying, it put into place, and then it was moved. What I'm saying is, what, what there's, I'm saying there's is, absolutely no way this landed like this. What I'm moved. saying is, I'm not convinced either way of this, because I think the best argument would be, how embarrassing would it be that we had drone footage of Russia bringing in a flatbed and lowering these vehicles in? We have drone footage of everything else in this area. We have armed drones kamikaze drones there as well why wouldn't ukraine film it and release it as far as look at the bs they're doing and as well as then strike the flatbed bringing in these vehicles as well that would be even better informational campaign for this than the idea of that these were placed there but we have no footage of it either and the camouflage does match the vehicles that went into the area that was the convincing bit i was reading about if it wasn't placed, if it was placed, we should have. They should have struck the flatbed, or then had video of the flatbed going in there, because that would be even more embarrassing than this. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I, I still think that they're placed there. I could be a fucking idiot though, so it's okay. I don't, do, I don't, do, I don't do you get what I mean? Though, that it would be severely more embarrassing showing a flatbed lowering Humvees into stage something. Well, it doesn't mean that we didn't. They didn't see it not happening. But they were in there for days, and there was drones in the air. Everything that happens is caught on video of this war. Basically everything from drones monitoring this. And it should have been in eyesight of where it happened too. Thunder? Yes. Fucking hell. <laughs> the Russians lowering in another like, you? Yeah, actually, I've got another <laughs> argument for that too. So there was a guy who released a full counter of why. And the funny thing was the guy who actually released the counter who was saying that these weren't placed, it was actually a Ukrainian reporter or Ukrainian social reporter or Ukrainian side Twitter. He was saying as well, Russia typically is horrific at staging events like this. Every time we've seen something previous to this, it's just like fucking obviously faked. But it was like this one has still an amount of plausibility in it of is that 
oil? Is that a coolant? Is it blah, blah, blah? So I'm not 100% convinced. At the same as, oh, fuck, we forgot to talk about something as well. The fucking Van Kursk boat. Okay, well, that's stupid. That thing, that thing's... Video. Fine. Yeah, he's fine. Have we talked about that or not? No, we haven't. But there's no reason, there's no need to. Oh, it was the biggest... No, but what I will say is Ukraine got out of it what they needed to get out of it anyway. Because people are such denialists of things. So the Russian Twitter users, or no, Russian-backed Twitter users, or the guys who are back in Russia, and a lot of the very pro-Ukrainian-backed Twitter users, will deny anything that's against their narrative. But the benefit of this was the bad news of the Ivankos being sunk basically trended anyway. What is the actual truth? The Ivankos had little to no damage caused to it. Probably none, actually. Could be none. The There is a gun turret right above that, and that guy could have been killed or injured or whatever. And there could be a lot of below waterline damage to the props as well. Could be. But did it work in the favour of, for 24 hours, everyone believed that a ship had been damaged and sunk and then didn't trend as well after it? Absolutely. So it still worked massively in Ukraine's favour. I didn't even look into it because I didn't think it was real. Uh, let's play the rest of this thing. Today morning, the Kyivsky regime terrorist action in all right, so we know that their air defense actually does work, which is not super shocking. I mean, they're not complete idiots. I mean, no, the air defense, it's very... Their air defense like, is great, so it's not really It's good. still, yeah, the multi-layered air defense. But that is one of the big things, of too, of how do these drones get in so far? Because they've gone through a lot. But that, too, we have seen Ukrainian... Um, oh, shit, oh, oh, the amount of the actual time, type, sorry, will slip my mind, but go all the way to angles to airfield, which is where all the um, nuclear-capable uh, supersonic aircraft other bombers so i've seen them cruise in there too so there's definitely whole, like any air defense there's holes in the air defense system too one of the big ones he talks about there is there were drones subverted by electronic warfare and ew electronic warfare is something that hasn't been sh- like talked about as much as it should in this war both on the russian side and the ukrainian side because on the on the ukrainian side it's not as sexy to talk about EW assets going to Ukraine as it is HIMARS. Um, Jesus, that thunder's insane. Atacams, things like that. It's not as sexy to talk about. But on a modern battlefield, EW is just as or more important than equipment like that. And EW has been massively in play. Same by the Russians. A lot of the Ukrainian drones are operating on, and radio stuff is operating on the frequency that's like Motorola, like 268 frequency or something that people are talking about has been, can be jammed and hacked by uh, Russian forces as well. So I've got here from uh, Dr. Jack Waitling from the Royal United uh, Services Institute, also known as RUSI. Uh, which is the world's oldest and the UK's leading defence and security think tank, has basically speculated that 10,000 Ukrainian drones are being intercepted by Russian electronic warfare. Um, I believe this is per month. I could be wrong. I haven't written that in my notes. Oh, sorry. Yeah, right. So the quote is, so how confident am I in the number 10,000 per month? As an exact number, I'm not. The actual total varies month by month and day by day, but it is uh, and is not closely tracked, but consumption is definitely very high. And that quote from uh, Dr. Jack Waitling, who works uh, for RUSI. 
And basically what they're talking about is the EW from Russia is very effective against these drones. Now, are we talking about these big drones? No, we're talking everything from these FPV drones through to DJI drones, things like this. But we know air defense is not that talked about, but it's very, very prevalent on the front lines absolutely everywhere as well. The other thing about the last thing I'm going to talk about with these drones, by the way, just very last piece on this on this, this podcast we're so talking about this, is the amount of explosives that was actually going to be able to be inside of these things. And that's why I keep going back to what was the point of it? Because the amount of explosives that was inside, I've seen some of them go off, which I can't share on YouTube because they'll demonetize and, and kick the kick the video down. But they're not that big. I mean, so, they ha- so if they're going to be flying these things, they're going to be going after specific targets, not like area... Like a mass area, it's mm. these. They're not very big. The explosives are not very big. I mean, they're no. going after take out maybe this room type deal. Nothing like they're not big. Yeah, Literally. same as the one we saw hit the Kremlin. Yes, they're know, not big. Early May. They're, they're, so they're going after some yeah. type of either device or it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of like a, a Barrett fifty cal. People think that a Barrett a fifty cal is actually used for humans. Yes, you can clearly kill a human with a Barrett, and I've shot a Barrett at humans myself, but I've only done it when they've been on a vehicle. Or interviews. Well, that's why it's typically called AMRs, anti-material rifle. It's just, it's just, it's just used for a. It's got a certain purpose, and that's what I think. Personally, if this was Ukrainians, okay, good for them. They got really deep. But if it was, and they're going, they're using these things for certain targets. They're going after maybe, possibly, they're going after radar systems. For all we know, they're they're, they're big enough to take out that kind of stuff. Thing is, it's a poor way to take out radar systems. Because yeah, and, you that. need, yeah, you need harm. Why would you want to go? To out with, why would you want to go to with a rate? Why would you want to take out a radar system with something that's going to get picked up by radar? Yeah, well, it's slow. Yeah, radar system is connected to air defense. Yes, which or goes quick, attack, which goes intense, incredibly fast. Well, yeah. what I'm just, I'm just trying to spitball. I'm trying to. I'm not trying. Well, yeah, I'm trying to like give an it? example of why they would want to do it. Yeah. So I don't know. Just for, uh, and also, who know who didn't even say it? Moscow. Has anybody looked at a map? How deep Moscow is into Russia in comparison to where it's at on the Ukrainian border? How did these drones fly that far all the way across the country? Well, the I, a UJ twenty two can do it, but no, that's what, that's not what I'm asking. How did it? I'm not saying it couldn't. Oh, that it's gone through multi layers. Yes. How did it yeah. get through? Yeah, it's gone that many layers. Across, yeah. We're yeah. talking about. As you guys so think about the way that an air defense is going to be set up, especially on Moscow. Moscow is going to be the center ring, so it's going to be very tight. And then it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. As it gets bigger, there's going to be gaps. But you're talking about the gap should not be that wide and even allow these things to get that relatively close. I guess they're, I don't really know how they're getting that. That's what I'm saying. Are they being launched inside of the country? Well, that's yeah. my well, that's, that's the speculation. Is a, is a Russian uh, bomber dropped on 50Ks yeah. from Moscow. <laughs> <Turn> <laughs> oh. And this was the argument too against uh. the Kremlin one because I've done a lot of... Uh, the reason I keep bringing up that example is because I'm way more knowledgeable on that one than this one over... You know, it's had, had weeks to do it. But the big one of that is also the, the middle of Moscow, being the Kremlin, is a radio wave dead zone too. So if you just put your fucking drone there, it just won't work. Like it's radio wave dead zone and you know, multi-layered defense systems out from there. Yeah. But what they're saying is, well, if that quad rotor thing hit the Kremlin, it's either someone within the fucking FSB has known how to turn it off, but you need to know too many people to do it. You'd never get away with it. Or they've set this up and okay, we're turning off this, we're turning off this, blah, blah, blah. We're doing this. There has been some people reaching out to me and go, and I, I'm, I can't share it because I'll probably get in a fucking list somewhere of these are the off-the-shelf parts you would build to make a drone that relies on none of that. And I'm like, you should be fucking emailing me this shit. Hmm. But I'm more on the side of that's how it's being done as well, to increase the range. But we have seen that Russia 
how they're increasing the range of their um, Shahid or Quran drones as well. That you know, the videos of these being launched in Iran are basically like a tipper truck goes up yeah. and they launch them off. <laughs> they're not doing that. They're, the new stuff is off a Topolo, um, Topolov, sorry, TU-22, which is like a supersonic bomber, sweep wing fucking thing, yeah. made to compete with the B-1 bomber. They're shooting um, them from inside of Russia. They're dropping them, or but they're dropping, dropping them from inside. there or on the wings under um, Su-37 fighters to, to mm -hmm. give them more range. This was the idea around that. I know you're not interested, but the Ivan Kursk boat as well got hit the ship was when you are putting something long range, your sacrifice is fuel to explosive. Your overall gross weight of something, say it's 600 kilograms. If you're going close, you get 100 kilos of fuel, 500 kilograms of explosive. But the further and further you go, it has to do this. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, if the Ivan Kursk was where Rybar said that it was, which is a fucking long way through the Black Sea, the amount of explosives gets dropped dramatically in that. But same with dr drones work, the same. Payload, the size, and as well, how many repeater stations you'd need of uh, the signal to actually take it, that you need run repeaters to transmit, to actually fly it in. So it's... Fucking difficult operation, but doable. Yeah. Well, I do appreciate everything you guys have done with us, watching, going through our cringiness, him talking to pretty much a wall the last couple episodes, which is pretty normal. For I apologize, everyone. You can talk to anybody, but I do love you guys. Thanks for hanging out. We'll catch you guys tomorrow in another episode.